To me, it's like peeling back the layers and reminding myself to ask, why am I doing this? Why is this important? Who is this for? If you can create that space to do that thinking, it then kind of becomes second nature in everyday life. This is Skilled by Design, a podcast for experienced designers and product managers that want to deliberately grow their skills and become better humans in the process. I'm your host, Tommy Bay, and today I'm talking with Sarah Duty. Sarah is a UX researcher and experienced designer, and she's the founder and CEO of Career Strategy Lab. I've followed her career for a long time. She's very smart and has helped a lot of people. I'm super excited to talk to her. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here, Tommy. Okay. It, just for funsies, I went into my email and I searched for your name and sorted <laughs> you know, by the oldest thing. And the email that came up was for a webinar in early February of 2016. Wow, what was it about? <laughs> I don't I don't remember. I'm sure it was about, you know, career planning or or portfolio. It was probably something about portfolios, but Okay. <laughs> I remember I had started my really focusing on UX uh, it, for my career and mm -hmm. your name already was visible to me and you've very much grown your footprint, if you will. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, for those who are not familiar, why don't you tell us a little bit about Career Strategy Lab? And we can kind of start there. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic because if someone had told me I would be doing, you know, what I'm doing now and told me that 10 years ago, I would not have believed them. You know, I love doing research and experience design, and I toyed with the idea of building an agency or, you know, something. And I fell into this world of careers, portfolios, resumes, career coach for UX people, for lack of a better word. Originally, it started out just as a focus on portfolios. And this isn't a joke, but my inbox was so full of questions about portfolios. And I personally was so tired of answering those questions that I thought, well, number one, I kind of ignored them and put them in a folder because it was so overwhelming. <laughs> and number two, I thought, okay, I have to do something about this you know, kind of selfishly for myself. So I didn't want to talk about it again. So I thought I'll do a lunch and learn workshop. And I don't think this was 2016 because I'm pretty sure this happened in 2017, but I did a lunch and learn workshop. I charged people something like 29 or $39. I think my mom talked me up $10 on the price <laughs> and then it sold out. And then I made a waiting list and I taught the workshop and people started to get hired and I thought, oh, maybe I'm onto something. And then I really knew I was onto something when people said this workshop was awesome. And there was like a little month long Facebook pop-up group for everyone. And they said, this was great. Could you make the workshop like four sessions long and expand this to give us time to work on it and get feedback? And that was kind of this really pivot moment in my career where I, as a researcher thought, there is a big problem here. I apparently have made some solution and people like it and they're getting hired and they want to pay me and they want it to be longer than 45 minutes. <laughs> and I just kind of ran with it. And I ran with it for, I don't know, probably two years kind of doing it as a side gig. And then I really put my foot down and went all in on this. And now today, this is all known as Career Strategy Lab, which is my 
kind of career coaching accelerator. We compare it to a like startup incubator, but for you and your career. Mm -hmm. And that's all I do now. I mean, almost, I was just on a research trip in Chicago and Nashville, but I have a team of five and really this is all we do. And people get hired at Blue Origin, IBM, Intel, Home Depot, like all these incredible companies. And it's amazing. And I would never have guessed this for my career, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great UX story. Because so often we think that we know the solution and then you go and do the research and hear from the people who are actually going to use it and you're off in another direction. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, I think, wonder what the heck I do and hear that I do this and think, oh, you don't do UX anymore. But I think if you saw behind the scenes of everything we do, like there is so much UX involved in terms of designing the experience that people go through. You know, I just hired a curriculum or instructional designer to help like help me because I'm too close to this. If you've ever worked with startups or even stakeholders, you know that sometimes they're really smart at their domain, but they're so close to it. And so I'm now the client and I'm having other people, you know, guide me through kind of the design process, which is a very interesting place to be as well. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's probably worthy of a book or something, but maybe maybe in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my eyes open for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, so a lot of what I've seen as I've watched your career over time and what I was excited to talk to you about is, is this idea of of really thinking and applying UX principles to to other stuff, Mm -hmm. um, but being able to think strategically about things, about your career, about your job search, about all the stuff that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you've worked with, at this point, tons, hundreds and hundreds of, of designers. Where do you start to get them to think along those lines? Like, how do you start to grow the strategic thinking skills? Yeah. So you're right. We, we worked with probably in the thousands now, and I have a lot of insight just from working with all the, all of those people, but to join this career strategy lab program, people have to fill out an application, which there's strategy behind that because we can't help everyone. You know, if you just learned about UX two weeks ago, we are not the program for you. We're not a boot camp. So we have tons of data in our applications, really focusing on the problems that people face in their job search. And I think the problems that people face boil down to zero strategy. So as an example, we have probably thousands of applications that say something almost verbatim to, I've applied to 100 jobs, I haven't gotten interviews. I've applied to 200, 400 jobs. And this is a giant red flag. And I wish people could also see this as a red flag. And it's kind of like, I think it's there's an Einstein quote, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over with the same result, right? Probably butchered that, but that's the gist (laughs) of it. (laughs) And I think, why are we doing this in our job search? It's like, we're smarter than this UX people. I think that this lack of strategy, it manifests just like that. And then by not applying strategy to everything else 
that goes into a job search. So for example, your resume, your portfolio, your LinkedIn profile, what you post on LinkedIn, you know, and when people are going to hire you or thinking about, you know, inviting you for an interview and they happen to stumble upon your LinkedIn, if your LinkedIn profile is a bunch of posts, like, complaining and moaning about how much you hate the UX hiring process and how unfair it is and blah, 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 blah. It kind of makes you come off as like negative Nancy, you know, and that could be the difference between you getting invited for an interview or not. And so what we really aim to do is help UX people apply strategy to everything they do. And kind of similar to me hiring people to help me in my business, because I'm too close to it. I think that's what happens with UX people, not UX people, many people in their job search, they're too close to it and they kind of freeze up and they jump to like the fun stuff, maybe design or applying for jobs and stuff. And they don't think about, well, what is the content of my resume? Who is the person reading my resume? What do they need to know? Does it really need to be on one page? Should it be two pages? You know, so that's the long-winded version of strategy in the job search. Yeah, there's there's a lot there to consider. You've got strategy in your career, but then you've also got strategy in getting the next job. Yes. And and those are different things. Is that something that you try to help people like understand and think about? Yeah. That's a great point. So the strategy of your career is the first thing that we help people with if they come into career strategy lab. And, you know, if you think of designing a, a product or creating a product, you've probably heard stories of, or maybe worked on products that didn't invest the time to do research and come up with a strategy. And then what did they do? They jumped right to design or making things or high fidelity stuff and you know skipping over all that other stuff that you know research and prototyping and everything that's really there to help minimize the chances that you build the wrong thing right and if you you know if you've been working in UX for a while at a, at a company you understand like the cost and time trade-offs and consequences of building the wrong thing and then having to go back and fix a bunch of stuff, et cetera. And so we have this concept of a roadmap, but for your career, I call it a career roadmap. And that roadmap is really intended to look at the short and long-term, you know, career. And of course, I already said, I would have never have known I would be where I am. So, you know, this is a fluid document, but one thing, and let me know if you've encountered people that do this, but one thing I find is that people are so focused on getting the next job that they don't think about what might be the job I want after this one. Because if you want to be a UX research manager somewhere, let's say in four years, and you don't have management experience yet, but maybe you have some research experience, your next job will be in research but you wanna make sure that that role is also gonna give you opportunities, maybe not on day one, but to do or grow into research so that four years from now, when maybe you get promoted at that company or change companies, 
you have that you have that experience and so this career roadmap helps people see what do i need to do to get the job i want in the future but also like what do i need to do to get the job i need now and and that could be as granular as like the skills you need to focus on in the next year and breaking it down into quarter. So it's really like a product mode roadmap just for your career. Um, and it's all about like treating your career like a like a product, which is our big metaphor we use all the time. I'm sure my people are sick of hearing about that, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I remember learning about, uh, I read this thing and it it broke down uh, your job or things that you should consider in your career as you look at jobs into tribe, brand, and domain, where it said you really need to be thinking about the the people that are, you're going to be surrounded by, mm. um, by what having worked at this place that says about your brand and if it resonates with your brand or not, mm -hmm. uh, like your personal interests and, you know, like if you're embarrassed to say where you work because it's dull or doesn't resonate with, with who you are, that's uh -huh. probably a sign that you, you haven't strategically thought that out very well. And, right. and then the domain is, you know, being in a place where you can get good at something. Yeah. I love though. I love those. I just wrote them, wrote them down. And I think like so many people don't kind of peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak, and think about this because like take people that are switching careers into UX. There's so many of them right now from just some trends I see, teachers, academia, occupational therapy, architects, industrial designers. Like those are big categories of people that I see, but a lot of them are not super strategic with the job search because they think, oh, I want to go work at a FANG company, for example. And I say, okay, you could do that. But if you have teaching experience or nursing experience or architectural experience, there are probably education companies, architecture company, you know, that need someone like you and you would be a really prime candidate because you already have that domain knowledge, you know? So use that as a stepping stone to get a few years of true UX experience at a company under your belt, and then maybe you realize, wow, I really like applying my teaching background to this UX context, or you think I've had enough of this, I'm moving on to, you know, whatever. But I think that's a great example of where people skip over the strategy and miss these opportunities to catapult their careers, especially as a career switcher. Yeah. I've seen that in our own company. I work in insurance and we like to go and find people with insurance experience and then teach them technical skills. Exactly. Because I can't go and find a developer who has eight years of insurance experience and understands yep. how that stuff works. But I can teach that guy how to be an analyst. Well, especially, I don't know a ton about insurance, but I imagine like there's a lot of regulatory stuff that probably is involved that is very valuable if someone already has that knowledge rather than taking a person who knows how to use Figma like the back of their hand, but has no clue about insurance. Like <laughs> the insurance person is going to be a lot more effective from day one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have done that in UX as well, where we we took somebody who, I mean, they were they were a, you know an employee already, but 
<laughs> took them from a different department and brought them into UX because they had the right skills and the right experience. And then mm -hmm. we just taught her the rest of the stuff. Yep. It's kind of refreshing to talk about this because I think there's, there's so much focus on learning every feature of a software like Figma, not to pick on Figma, but it's every time I go on Twitter, Figma is trending for some reason, <laughs> or at least in my world of Twitter, or like memorizing processes and terminology and things. And I often joke with other UX friends, like if I had to take a UX exam, I would probably almost fail because I wouldn't know like all this terminology and methodology and principles and blah, blah, blah. I just do it, you know? And I think there's such value in prioritizing the more timeless skills, you know what I mean? Whether that's timeless knowledge about a domain like insurance or healthcare or communication, critical thinking, verbal presentation skills, like all of those things that, you know, will matter should you wake up one day and like Figma didn't exist because the software I used when I was starting out, I mean, it might exist, but I highly doubt anyone uses like Dreamweaver 3 and OmniGravel and Visio anymore. <laughs> yeah. And really that's a lot of the impetus for this podcast is exactly that sentiment that like, it's important for us to have technical skills and to know how to use tools, but like, yeah, the tools are going to change mm -hmm. and it's the soft skills or the human skills. Also technology changes and some things get automated. Mm, and, yes. <laughs> and if we, you know, if that's where we've put all of our eggs, then yeah, we're going to be in trouble. Well, te technology can get automated or, you know, other people on your team who don't have a designer UX background can draw boxes on a page. Like the democratization of design and maybe the barrier of entry to produce deliverables is a better way to say it. But like, I'm sure we've encountered situations where either a client came to us, a stakeholder, you know, Jenny from marketing or something has this idea and they bring it to you. And so we have this situation where people can make stuff, deliverables, but I think our role, going back to timeless skills, like if you can educate them, okay, well, this is why maybe this didn't work. Or did you think of this? Did you think of that? Like, I think that's the type of skill set that makes someone more of a timeless employee. And I think it helps you future-proof your career too, because it also translates to your ability to talk about projects and interviews and things like that. I think that type of stuff will give you the edge either during the job search or once you are hired too, right? Yeah. But one thing that is tricky, and maybe maybe you have some tips in this arena, we all have different soft skills, human skills. Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we get those to show up in our resumes or in the where where else do you advise people to invest when they're you know trying to get a job or plan for their career? I know you've mentioned yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah, I think the resume is a great great place to start because you know the problem with a lot of resumes are that they kind of just sound like job descriptions. People get into this habit. You've probably read a ton of resumes that sound like this. I was responsible for this. I made wireframes. I did research. I was responsible for you know whatever, and then there's the skills section, which is, 
sometimes it's like a list of 30 skills. And I say, well, no one's going to read that. And so what I really challenge people to do is think about not just relying on a literal skills section on your resume to communicate this stuff, but go back to like each item in your work history and those bullet points that appear under that and try and include skills in there to show examples of those skills in action. So instead of just saying like, I was responsible for user research. Okay. What the heck does that mean? You know, does it mean you, well, what type of research was it? What is the context in terms of scope of that research? Was it like you did five user interviews or did you do 500 user interviews over the course of your time at this company, you know? Same thing with like a survey, were you analyzing 15 survey results or 1500? So those types of details are really important. And then stay with this research example, like were you then collaborating with a design team or, or a development team to translate that research into, you know, changes to the product, et cetera, work that into the bullet points too. And then that bullet point kind of communicates those soft skills of like collaboration with other designers or developers, maybe like your familiarity with design software, even though you're a researcher and it's communicating the scope, you know, because it's, it's very, two people can call themselves researchers, but if one has only analyzed like little surveys of less than 20 responses or something. And one routinely is working with data sets of like 2000. That's very different, you know? Yeah, that's very true. And you're right. Those details do matter. Uh, so when, when we're hiring, we're frequently looking to plug holes that we have. And so mm -hmm. we're looking for specific, like we were just talking recently and saying, man, it would be great if we had somebody on our team who was really good at writing. Uh, and, yeah. and not, not everyone has had a UX writing job in their, in their history, mm -hmm. uh, because that's, you know, a rare thing. So being able to showcase that somewhere in what you did do mm -hmm. would make somebody that's looking for that perk up. And I think that's a great example because even if someone doesn't have like a background in formal UX writing, let's say. Writing is something that benefits any company, I think, in terms of uh, hiring someone. And I think your resume and your LinkedIn and your portfolio, people don't recognize the influence that those three assets have over whether you get an interview or not. And it's so, so shocking because now we're getting into recruiting to read LinkedIn profiles, resumes, et cetera, of people you know, at all stages of their careers, this is not a situation of, well, people starting out don't know how to write a resume. I see this with people starting out or people have been working in UX for like 18 or more years. So this skill of writing is so, so critical, even if you don't have writing in a previous job title. And I think, you know, it also applies to the literal design of your resume. And we always focus with people in Career Strategy Lab of, you're going to focus on the content of your resume first or the content of your portfolio and literally write it out in a Google doc before you're ever allowed to show us like a keynote presentation or something like that. But 
even if you are a researcher who has no desire to do design, there's no real excuse for you to have a junky looking resume because it doesn't create a strong first impression to me. If you make the font size eight point fonts, so it all fits on one page. It goes back to strategy too. <laughs> like, you know, people often say, oh, I heard the resume needs to be one page, you know, cause they read a rogue tweet from someone they've never heard of before, but they think it's like the gospel cause it was on Twitter, design Twitter. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about the strategy of having a one page resume. So either you're going to make the font size super small to shove it all on one page and, or you are going to take those bullet points, which we just talked about and likely strip out stuff. And then they end up being very surface level and they get stripped down to, I was responsible for research. <laughs> like to me, that's all, that's, that's the strategy that is totally lacking. Yeah. But their icons, their icons looked good. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I spent four hours drawing those or finding them on noun project. <laughs> uh, oh, it's so true. It's almost sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, those icons look good, but guess what? Not all your bullet points are lined up. So yeah. that's but I cool. think like so many people come to us and are just so lost and like almost at the end of the rope, some people say, I think I'm just going to go back to doing teaching, especially these career switchers. And I'm like, you're so close. And this is not rocket science. Like you just need to apply the principles and strategies, you know, from UX and product development stuff. And just like, just the basics of who is the user of my resume? Like, what are they need to know. Let me focus on the content first before I go choose icons on noun project. And like those, you know, it's so basic, but I just think it's this funny situation of people are so close to it. And your career is such an important thing. You know, it like affords you to live the life you want and provide for your family and do the things you want to do. And I think people just get paralyzed and like, forget all this stuff that they do in their job or learned at the school they went to. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes we see that in our daily work as well, where we get so focused in on, you know, the, the critical thinking of the project and we forget to zoom out and think about yeah. the strategy of you know, what are you actually doing for the business or yep. what is the overall goal for the user? Not just, yep. you know, not just this. And it's kind of the, uh, more and more I'm thinking about how, how UX and, and CX, the customer experience mm -hmm. really needs to have a better relationship because oh, yeah. we'll sometimes get our blinders on in UX and only think about this product and not how it fits into the broader experience. Mm-hmm our company is only five people. Like there is no distinction between the two for us. I mean, like customer experience is user experience and user experience is customer experience to us. And in a larger team, I understand that it, you know, you need more people and things like that. But I think like those two teams should be very strong allies as with customer service too. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the skill of strategic thinking, mm -hmm. 
how do we how do we actually develop it? Like we've talked about why it's important, I think, but the skill itself, like where do we where do we start as far as getting better at being a strategic thinker? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think that part of it involves slowing down, which is probably what people don't want to hear. They think, why should I slow down? But slowing down enables you to notice things and it gives you more white space, I think, because as creative people, or at least in my case, I find my mind is like ideas, ideas, it's like an idea hamster wheel or something. <laughs> and sometimes I really find I need to like carve out time to do that strategic thinking. And what is that? What does strategic thinking really mean? To me, it's like peeling back the layers and at, reminding myself to ask through, why am I doing this? Why is this important? Who is this for? Et cetera, et cetera. And I think if you can train yourself to, or create that space to do that thinking, it's kind of like working out a muscles, right? And then I think once you, once you start doing that, it then kind of becomes second nature in everyday life. So, you know, I, I mentioned I was on this research trip, Chicago, Nashville, and, and San Diego in July, but like I was with one of my UX research partners and we were walking through some grocery stores and like, we couldn't go down an aisle without making some observation or a suggestion or something about the experience. And I think that as you progress in your career and you train yourself to like slow down and notice, then it becomes second nature. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that that's a really good qualifier of strategic thinking is giving yourself that space and time yeah. to, to look, to notice and to, to actually think about, I guess, the future. Yeah. And noticing. And I think I would add wondering to that too. Like, why is this the way this is? Like, I wonder why this thing in the grocery aisle is like this and not like that. And who decided this and da, 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 da. And I think developing those skills of curiosity, wondering, noticing, slowing down. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially coming into UX now, like want to know the formula to strategic thinking. And I'm sure someone has written a Medium article about this, but I think like, it's not something you just do in a two-week course online, you know, like it's, it's this muscle. It's like, I do yoga and I'm not very good at yoga, but what I do notice is through yoga, because a lot of yoga is all about like remembering, well, remembering to breathe, first of all. Mm -hmm. And finally, I feel like I've gotten to the point where when I'm not literally in the yoga room or a yoga class, I notice when I'm either not breathing, so I'm stressed out <laughs> or like how to control my breathing. And I think it's not something that I could have learned in two weeks. You know, it's like years of of practice and two steps forward and one steps back and take a break from yoga and jump back in. But yeah, that analogy, like I think is a good one to keep in mind. Yeah, it, it's true. Most skills that are worth developing take development. Like they take time. Yeah. You know, technical or non-technical, 
Yeah. You know, if, I, if I want to play the guitar, I can learn some things, but really like until I have the muscle memory, until I have the patience, the strumming patterns, like all the junk, like I'm not going to be able to, to play. Yeah. And I think there's, let me know what you think of this, but I think there's this kind of like perception of immediacy or quick mastery. And I was going to say in our industry, but I also live in a in a, the bubble of our industry. I wouldn't be surprised if this extends beyond us, right? Like become a developer in four weeks or whatever. And I think there needs to be more conversation around you can learn the basics and you can learn how to use some software in a couple of weeks. Sure. But if you want, if you're in this for the long haul, so to speak, and you want to have influence once you are hired and be able to not just produce deliverables, but understand business and communicate with people outside of your department and help people understand why you did things this way. So they go with your ideas or whatever, or tell a great story about user research findings. Those are the things that you're not going to learn in a two week sprint online or something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if it is largely driven by technology and technological advancements. We've all grown up in this world where lots of smart people have created products that make things easier. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've learned how to learn tools, uh, especially technology tools, fast. Mm-hmm. And so you can become a Figma expert inside of a year. Yep. But then there's all these other things that do not yeah. play by the same rules. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, remember, understanding education and mastery in different parts of your career, like is going to vary from thing to thing, right? Because that, that Figma example was, was a, a great one. You can learn the software very quick, but, you know, being able to get great at public speaking. If you're not confident in public speaking or writing like that, that takes time. It's doable though, because I think like the transformation of writing skills that we see in people in our program, it's like night and day, the before and afters of their resume. It's awesome. And we haven't done enough research around this yet, but one of the things I plan to do is, you know, go back to a bunch of the alumni for lack of better word and ask them like, now that you've been in your role for three months, six months, a year or something like that, what were things or did anything that you learned in career strategy lab translate into you feeling more confident and, you know, maybe even peers recognizing your writing skills or presentation design skills and not just visual design, like text and layout of of presentations. And my hope is yes, because for example, creating a a presentation for your portfolio, I mean, it's the same exact process if you're making a presentation of a product roadmap or of research findings, you know? And so TBD on that, but I think anecdotally through a few conversations, I think that's probably what we would find. Yeah. I would not be surprised. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, man, this conversation went so fast. I know. 
okay, to recap, your suggestion for people to start becoming more strategic is what? To be more strategic, I think in your career, you need that career roadmap. And, you know, if you don't have a roadmap for a product, we've all heard the disaster stories of products that launched and failed very fast or didn't have users, or maybe your own company, you had to go back and redo a bunch of stuff, right? And so I think that career roadmap is so, so valuable because it will help you in every step of your job search. So with a career roadmap, writing a resume becomes a lot easier because you're very clear on the skills you wanna showcase. Deciding what jobs to apply to, it kind of serves as a filter of what jobs you should apply to or not. Um, choosing projects to put in your, to your portfolio when you have this career roadmap and you know, you know the, the characteristics of the roles you wanna have in the future, everything becomes a lot, a lot easier and it helps eliminate a lot of decisions. It's kind of like if you tried to write an essay without a thesis, it's gonna take a lot longer and you'll probably have to revise it a bunch of times because everything will be disjointed. But with that thesis, that's gonna help the whole writing process be a heck of a lot easier. So take the time to think about where you wanna be in the future, what skills you need to acquire. And then I should have said this earlier, but one of the things we do in this career roadmap creation process is research. So we created this miniature research project and there's questions you need to ask yourself and questions that we really literally encourage you to go ask former bosses or colleagues that you have that you have good relationships with and out of that research it's very interesting because some people say wow like i learned so much because my former boss or colleague said i was really good at this and i never realized that you know so taking time to do some research to then help inform that roadmap is is really important and it's going to help eliminate a lot of this stress and time and anxiety that's going into people's job searches right now. Love it. Excellent advice. Great. Okay. Thank you. So uh, if people want to learn more about Career Strategy Lab or about you and the other things you're doing, uh, yep. where can they find, find more? The two best places, careerstrategylab.com. And then on the footer there, there's links to the Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and all that stuff. And then I still do have my own personal website, sarahduty.com, where there's old articles that are pretty timeless and conference talks and stuff like that. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Sarah, thank you. You're amazing. Appreciate your time. This has been awesome. Thanks a lot, Tommy. And thanks to all of you out there listening. We appreciate you being here. Uh, remember, share this episode with somebody who would benefit from learning about strategic thinking or uh, thinking about their career in a strategic way. And if you can rate the podcast, that's always helpful. Uh, helps people to find us or subscribe so you catch future episodes. Thanks again. We'll see you next time on Skilled by Design.